Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. Greg Powell had some excellent hat game at the Diamondbacks games today. He was wearing the Montreal Expos throwback with the white panel front. It was awesome. Very uh, nice. I like that. <laughs> but Matt, you are back fresh from your trip to the Bayou and the Manning That's quarterback right. camp. Tell me what it was like to be around the Manning family and the elite of the elite college quarterbacks. Well, it was it was awesome for somebody like me. I mean, you you know, you have to be kind of a football junkie, a football nerd, whatever term you want to put. Um, it's not necessarily a spectator event, but if you you know if you like following quarterbacks, which I do, uh, there's no secret to that. That you know, kind of following them up through the ranks. It was a lot of fun seeing the college kids, and you know, the access was was awesome. I mean, because it, it's not really a fan event, so. You just go, and they just walk through campus, and it's it's uh, very low-key. Um, fortunate enough to get a chance to meet and, and get a photo with all four Mannings. Got to introduce my dad to Archie, who's his you know childhood sports hero. So it was awesome. Couldn't have gone better. That's great. It, you know, it's, it's important to be able to go out and have experiences like that. Um, and, you know, you got to see – some of the top quarterbacks, I know you, when we were texting, you saw Shea Patterson yeah. and Jacob Eason riding around yep. in what is the perfect SEC quarterback car. It really was, yeah, an old an old Mustang, you know, white with black stripes, um, apparently Patterson's car, he was driving it at least, I assume it was his, um, but yeah, yeah, they, you know, the two of them, obviously, uh, they, they might have known each other from before, they probably did, because of, you know, going up through the high school ranks the same year, but uh, you know, they, they, uh, on the Saturday night thing, they warmed up together. You could tell that they, they obviously had a bit of a bond there. And even though they're in the same conference, they don't play each other. Uh, so, you know, not really a rivalry so much, just two guys who who've come up through the ranks there. Yeah. Well, and ASU did not have a quarterback represented there. And no, I wish they had, um, some, some PAC 12 schools were there. Sam Darnold was there and I, I did my best to plead for him to take it easy on ASU in October. I don't think he listened to me, but he laughed. He chuckled, um, you know, so he was there. Jake Browning was there. It was, uh, uh, you know, a good good turnout and no Josh Rosen, which surprised me a little because um, he had been there the year before. Don't know what it was, uh, you know, but uh, now sadly no ASU guy there. Hopefully, you know, we'll have a guy who can get selected to that sometime soon. Well, ASU had trouble selecting a quarterback to lead this team out of, uh, you know, the spring camp. And yeah. they announced that for media day, they are not going to send a quarterback. They're going to send Kalen Balaj as the offensive representative and JoJo Wicker as the defensive yeah. representative with Todd Graham. You know, it, I'm, I know we're early. But am I, and, and I know if you're listening that you're mad about it, but we're going to talk about Chris Paul. So just like skip ahead 10 yeah. minutes and we'll be talking about Look, Chris there's going to be a lot of ASU talk. I mean, <laughs> it's slow right now, but that's just the par for the course. When we get to August through January, there's going to be ASU talk. And then after that, it's going to be ASU basketball and that's just life. But is it wrong that as we've now drifted into summer, I've become more negative about this team and more negative about our quarterback situation and, and every everything that I was trying yeah. to talk myself into, having this distance, I've talked myself right. out of. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, and and uh, 
it's weird for us because, you know, we, we've kind of followed the pattern that most fans do that, you know, you have your optimism right now. This is supposed to be your optimistic time of year up through, you know, about the end of August. Then you start playing games and you start seeing flaws and, uh, even in wins, sometimes you can come out thinking, boy, there's some things to worry about. Certainly, it'll just bring you back to reality. Uh, but yeah, this, um, you know, I I have a fair amount of concern about this upcoming season. Um, as I mentioned to you, you know, one of the last times we talked, the schedule really shapes up to have a brutal stretch in the middle, uh, or it looks like a brutal stretch. Obviously, you never know for sure, but certainly doesn't look easy. Um, and even those parts at the beginning and end aren't overly easy. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, a year that has a lot of concern and really just has to show a lot of improvement from what we've seen. And I think that's the reason for maybe our lack of optimism is, you know, we, we have to see it. I, I, I speak for myself. I have to see it to even now because the last two years I haven't seen it. So I can't talk myself into something that hasn't been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I guess I'm in the same boat where – the, you know, the coaching turnover plus the uncertainty at quarterback plus sure. the uncertainty on the offensive line, although I think it might actually be a strength. That's one of the things that as we get closer, I will, you know, I'll go yeah. into more detail. But, you know, because they were so bad and so banged up last year, we have a lot of returning guys who have some experience on the line. Sure, but, sure. You know, and then the secondary, you lose Armand Perry and Kareem Moore, and right. those were the two guys who I was – comfortable enough with in the secondary so right. now I don't I don't know how to feel at all right no I agree I mean you know to me this this team's success or lack thereof is going to hinge on whether this defense can improve significantly not, not to become a great defense but to certainly improve from what they did the last couple of years and especially last year it has to without that there's there's just no way looking at this schedule um, that this team is going to be in position to win probably more than five games. Um, because, you know, you, you can't rely on home field when you've got USC and Washington at home. That is the presumed favorites in both divisions. So you can't really say, well, we'll just take care of business in our home games and we'll try to steal one or two on the road. That's not likely to be the case. And to play well on the road, you got to defend. That's, I mean, that's proven over the years. If you don't have a defense, you're going to struggle on the road. And that certainly was borne out last year. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not optimistic. I'm not feeling. No. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I look at, and obviously, it, it's it doesn't really make sense saying this, but we were very optimistic the last couple of years. Certainly, two years ago, very, very, very optimistic. Um, last year, I think we had probably more optimism than we should have, and after the first half of the year, we looked we looked smart, and it didn't carry on that way. Um, you know. Yeah, sometimes as ASU fans, and I hate this, but sometimes ASU tends to do its best where there are no expectations, and, and there's not a lot of expectations surrounding this season. So maybe it'll be that kind of year. Maybe the defense will make the gains. Maybe one of these two quarterbacks will grab hold of the team and and you know really become the leader and the, the focal point of the offense, and and things will be better than we expected. We've seen seasons like that in recent memory, so. You know, I, we haven't lost any game. I'm certainly not down completely, um, but I'm not. I'm not brimming with optimism. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I I, I don't love it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's all you could say at this point. It's late June, and and we, um, you know, I mean, regardless of how 
positive or negative we feel right now, you have to play the games. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel great about things. I think the, you know, the schedule, like I said, just, just sets up very difficult for this team in the heart of the season. Um, to the point where I feel like we could, we could potentially be looking at kind of a stretch a lot like last year where maybe we get off to a hot start and then reality hits us. Hope not, but it, you know, it certainly could shape up that way. Um, so we'll see, you know, yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, we'll, about two months from right now, we open the season against New Mexico State and should be the by far the easiest game on the slate. And, uh, you know, it gets harder from there right away with week two. Yeah. Hopefully this can be a positive season, but uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the preview for the people who are U of A fans who listen, they're going to like it because I've, you're going to have a – by then maybe I'll talk myself into it, but you might have a very somber me on the picks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the, the optimistic fan in me wants to pick this team to go, you know, nine and three, the realist, I'm thinking probably six and six. Um, and that might be too much. Uh, you know, we'll see again. I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm certainly not going to say, uh, that would be okay by me. It would not, but just trying to be a realist and looking at how the games break down, it, you know, it's hard for me to come up with more than six wins, and some of those I'm not feeling great about. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, we're going to pivot, but before we do, I want to let you know that our next segment tonight is brought to you by your parents' HBO Password. Your parents' HBO Password lets Pat Richardson watch free Beyond Basic Cable without having to pay a dime, and he's enjoying it immensely. So this next segment is your parents' <laughs> HBO Password. Matt, let's talk about the big news in the NBA, and that is Chris Paul forcing the Rockets' hand, or forcing the Clippers' hand, rather. But also, I, I'm going to argue benefiting the Clippers by telling them, "Look, I'm leaving. Why don't we just work out a signing trade?" And they got something. Yeah, back. for sure. Yeah, yeah, they got seven guys. So you hope there's something out of that. Well, I mean, I think Harold Decker, both you have to feel good about. If you're yeah. them, uh, you know, obviously the the key is probably the two guards with Williams and Beverly. I Look, Lou Williams is redundant of Jamal Crawford and probably redundant of Austin Rivers, but some team will trade for Lou Williams. I mean, the Rockets gave up a first-round pick to get him from the Lakers. So, I mean, when you're thinking about it from the perspective of the Clippers, that's effectively a guy who is worth a first-round pick Plus, they picked up another first-round pick. The, I mean, for the Rockets, that's two first-round right. picks, basically, to get Chris Paul plus a bunch of other change. Right, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you know, it, over the history of the league, you look at the, you know, you trade a star for a bunch of guys. Generally, it doesn't work out. Um, but in this situation, like, they didn't decide to trade him. He was going to leave on his own. So you get something. You're right about Lou Williams. I mean, Lou Williams is a, is a volume scorer, to put it in the modern cliche. Somebody's going to be interested in him if, if they don't want him um you're all right you know he and jamal crawford are very much the same player uh, you know Lou williams is a, a cheap player comes off the bench can you know, shoot threes in bunches there's a call for that on every roster in the league so that you know if they want to you know auction him off they'll be able to get something back for him um you know they made the best of a situation that wasn't great seeing a star player leave and now it'll be interesting to see what they do with Blake Griffin, if they can get him back or not. Well, it's funny, right? Because they got enough talent with 
this deal coming back that, okay, well, maybe, I mean, you're, you're not going to compete with the Warriors in all likelihood no, or the Spurs. they and, weren't and, anyway. Yeah, but building around a Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, I guess Austin Rivers team <laughs> is, is not that, yeah. you know. Like, I, I just think that if you want to give Blake control of a team and if Blake is in a position where he's like, I want to be the man, well, sure. just keep him. Just keep him and yeah, bring him back. Yeah, and you can. I mean, they could pay him the most money, um, you know, but there is risk involved, obviously, you know, a couple of things. First of all, his injury issues continue to pop up. You know, last two postseasons he's gotten hurt. Um, he's missed a lot of games in his NBA career. Very, very infrequently has he played, you know, more than 75 games in a season. Um, you know, and then, and then you start to wonder – is that athleticism starting to disappear? Is he becoming a little bit like a Dwight Howard where he was a freak athlete to do these amazing things. And we're not seeing that as much. And Dwight Howard, you know, wasn't able to adapt his game and continue to be a superstar. He's a good player, decent, but nowhere near the player he used to be. So uh, if I'm the Clippers, I'm a little worried that I'm headed toward that future with Blake Griffin. If I give him, you know, five years, $200 million, which is what the max offer they can give him. I mean, but the thing is, they have the extra year, which gives them a lot of wiggle room to beat other teams. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they want to keep him, pony up the dough and keep him. I mean, I think it's really that simple. But if and, I'm them, and I don't know who's making the decisions, whether it's Doc Rivers, Jerry West, or crazy Ballmer. Steve Ballmer, <laughs> um, you know, but I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm thinking hard on this one because do you want to tie yourself to this guy for the next five years? three to four at least realistically before you'd be able to get rid of him if you want to at the end of that deal. Um, A, can he stay healthy? B, is he that good in the first place? C, can he stay as good as he is now? You know, that's the other point that I didn't make. Like, he's a he's a very good player, but is he that good? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not completely convinced that he's a superstar, build your team around him and contend for a title kind of player. Well, but let's talk about the flip side of this. So he goes. Right. You have to trade DeAndre Jordan, right? It's the, it's the group Probably. of guys who convinced him to, to come back. <laughs> and you all Probably, of a sudden, Paul yeah. is gone, Reddick's gone. If yeah. Blake's gone, You're then... You're looking at a complete teardown, basically. Um, which is what some people advocated with this team, you know, when they got bounced in the first round this year and... You know, I said I didn't I didn't necessarily think that was the smart move, but I kind of was basing that around I thought Chris Paul would stay. I, I thought ultimately he would stay in L.A. Um, now seeing him go, uh, you know, kind of changes my opinion of, well, maybe maybe it's better to just, you know, tear down and endure some losing and and try to reap it. You are in L.A. You have you know, have this new arena coming now. Uh, they're always going to be number two to the Lakers, regardless. I don't care what happens. They are going to be the number two team in that city, but they are different than they used to be image around the Clippers is much different than it was when we were kids. Um, so you can attract people, you can get free agents. You can, you can prove, I think relatively quickly, but maybe you have to bottom out to do it. I mean, I'll say this. If there is truth to the story, which I assume there must be because I don't get NBA rumors, I get Mm -hmm. it when it's already well-known and confirmed by a bunch of people. Right. But if it's true that there was an offer on the table that centered around Austin Rivers to the Knicks in a trade that would bring Carmelo back and Doc turned it down, 
if you're Steve Ballmer, I, I hope you knew about that and approved it, and if not, I hope yeah. you fired Doc Rivers as the GM. <laughs> well, at, at some point, you'd have to think, you know, that Doc's going to run out of time there. Um, you know, bringing in Jerry West is certainly a sign that they're not totally pleased with what he's done. Uh, you know, Jerry West obviously is, is old and is probably not capable of being a you know, full-time GM and putting in the, the grind and the hours that he used to put in with the Lakers. But bringing him in is, is a clear sum to me, and I think to anybody paying attention that, you know, Doc may be on the way out. Um, and, and probably for good reason. You know, he's a good coach. He did well with Boston, but he's made some very questionable personnel decisions there. And uh, If that, you're right. I mean, if that report is true, uh, it's certainly one that, you know, only adds to the feeling that he's overmatched as a GM. The offseason is about to get very interesting as free agency is going to kick off and the legal tampering period and we find out what happens with Gordon Hayward and will the Celtics make a move to get Paul George and what is that going to look like? Well, about half the league is apparently going to make a move to get Paul George. If you, you know, if you, it's a different team every day that's going to get Paul George. apparently. But the Celtics have the assets to, if they wanted to, they could just outspend everybody. Now, the, the one thing I've heard which is interesting is the idea that if the Rockets are worried about this being a rental for Chris Paul, that, right. well, why not just go all in for one year with Paul George, too? You know? Yeah, there's the thought. There's the thought to that, yeah. Now, you know, I don't I don't know the Rockets' roster depth completely, but considering they just traded all these guys to get Chris Paul, and some of them were throw-ins and, you know, non-guaranteed contracts and all that, but... You've you've stripped yourself of some of your depth, including a first round pick, and and you know we know the complicated rules. You can't trade first round picks in back to back years, so you know you realistically you can't trade your 2019 one either because you traded 2018. Um, you know what do they have to offer? Are you going to have to get a third team involved probably to get to get an offer done? Maybe, but they would have cap space and it would be interesting for sure. uh, from my perspective I think it would be very interesting to see a team that has Capella, George, Paul and Harden as Yeah, as a oh it would. It would. I mean, it would it would make them um, an interesting team. I think that's a good word to put it because you know, what we don't know and what uh, surprises me honestly about all this is I don't know how Paul and Harden are going to play together. Maybe it's going to go great. Uh, you know, and, and it just like what we were talking about with ASU football. We'll see. We'll see it in action and no. But, you know, Paul's a point guard, a true blue point guard, always has been. And James Harden just had his best year ever playing point guard. And and so how will that mesh with them having to share the ball? I'm not sure. And then if you add Paul George, he's not a point guard, but a guy who likes to have the ball in his hands and take a lot of shots, score a lot of points. Um, you know, it'd be an interesting mesh to, to get them all on the same page. Well, on, on just the Chris Paul, James Harden front, I think it'll be okay because I think what you'll see is they won't do the Thunder, Durant, Westbrook move where they sit them both at the same time. I think they will start True. together and they will finish together, but in the second and third quarter you will see them alternating six-minute you know, six minutes yeah, possession. And I and I think that's wise. I mean, you know, certainly one of the one of the reasons that the Rockets have to be in on trying to get, you know, Chris Paul and maybe others is James Harden did wear down. You know, we saw it kind of at the end of the year. He got hurt in the end of the regular season. 
and he just didn't seem to have the same energy that he had most of the year in the playoffs. So, you know, to be able to reduce his minutes some, to be able to give him a night off here or there would go a long ways, and, and this move and, and maybe what's to come will help that. Um, it'll just be interesting. I mean, you know, Mike D'Antoni is a very good offensive coach, one of the best we've seen, um, and so we'll see, you know, how he puts it together and how he gets it to work. But I think there'll be some bumps, uh, as there are always when these guys get together. You know, we, we kind of, you know, we play fantasy basketball with them, but, it, it, you know, there's some difficulty. There was even with Gold's issue here. They were good enough to overcome it early in the year and still win some games, but they weren't the well-oiled machine that they ended up being. It takes takes a while to integrate new guys, especially guys who've been stars elsewhere. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, how do you feel about the rumor that Manu is coming back? Uh, I mean, a little conflicted. Uh, you know, I mean, he he's still been good. And obviously, you know, it's always hard to see or, you know, guys who've been around for a long, long time go. But part of me thinks it's, it might have been the time. Um, I've thought that really the last couple of years that, you know, maybe it's, it's time for him to hang it up. That said, he was still a contributor last year. And if he can give him, um, you know, solid minutes off the bench like been giving him, you know, you don't turn that down. Yeah, true. I, you know, I guess where I'm coming from with this is, you had your goodbye moment, and now you're going. Yeah. Now it's a little far being, and yeah, it is. It is. Now, I mean, to his credit, he never said he was going. Um, it just sort of was assumed that this was going to be his last year. Um, and yet, I look back and think, boy, we've been talking about is it his year since 2013. I've always felt that if they had hung on and won the 2013 title. He might have retired then because that was he was brutal that year. He really did not have a good year. He was not good at the playoffs, uh, and it looked like he'd reached the end of his rope. And he came back, played so better the next year, was a big part of the finals, and um, you know, and he's kept on playing well. But it feels like he's been at the end of his rope for four seasons now. Yeah, it's it, the Spurs are going to have an interesting off season. You know, they yeah with what are they going to do with Aldridge and. You know, will they try to chase Lowry? Will they try to chase Lowry to the point where they will say goodbye to Tony Parker with the right, understanding right. that if he retired, that he would just immediately move into team ambassador for life role? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting. There's, there's, you know, some some things that have to get settled. Obviously, you know, having a guy like Kawhi Leonard to build around makes you feel good. You've got your your foundational piece, and now it's a matter of you know, how do things fit around him? And, and you're right, a lot of variables, more than they've had in recent years. Um, even with the Duncan uncertainty, you still felt like you had a lot in place. And and now with, you know, Aldridge is kind of on the outs. What what do you get out of Parker, if anything? Do you bring back Patty Mills? I think they'd like to, but, you know, is the price right? Uh, Manu is uncertain. You know, a lot of, a lot of things that could look different, but uh, the beauty of, of this organization, what they've done, is I, I trust them to make the right decisions for the most because they've done it. Yeah. Now, I would be remiss if we left our NBA talk without uh, bringing up Phil Jackson's unceremonious mutual, he got fired. Yeah. Uh, from, yeah, the, yeah. from the Knicks. Uh, I mean, he, he, I guess what you can say is he kept James Dolan away for three years, but it all in that time he managed to alienate the big 
money star and the best young player they have. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean it. It was uh, an unmitigated disaster. I mean, there's not much else you can say. Uh, you know, he took over a team that wasn't very good, and he made them worse. And and we haven't really seen much to to you know build hope in the church. Uh, you know, Porzingis is a good player, and he, he might become something. But obviously, you know, he was entertaining the idea of getting rid of him. Um, and besides that, what else do they have? I mean, it's uh, this is not a situation like Sam Hinkie where you're thinking, well, he took the fall, but boy, he left some good pieces in place, and this might work out really well. There's not a lot there. I mean, it, it feels like the next guy is facing a multiple year rebuild to try to get this thing back on track. And haven't we been talking about that for like two decades? It seems like since Patrick Ewing that the Knicks are, you know, in the tank and somebody's got to get them on track. Yeah. I feel like John Starks was playing point guard the last time they were on track. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, except for that brief window of insanity. Yeah. Which was, you know, three weeks basically. I mean, they made the playoffs. They got to the second round, which is the only time they've been out of the first round. I think since the early two thousands, I want to say, um, I mean, it's been a, it's been a long dry spell for the Knicks and, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily a Knicks fan, but I, I do miss the days where the Knicks were good and there were big games at the garden. The garden is a great place to watch basketball. Um, I remember those days when I was a kid watching the bulls and the Knicks or the Pacers and the Knicks or eating the Knicks in the playoffs. It was great. And, and I, I would love to see them get back to being relevant, but it seems like there's a long way on that journey. Yeah. No kidding. And then the final basketball-related topic is not the NBA, but Ice Cube's three-on-three big three shootout thing. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the games. I don't want to talk about uh, the talent. I want to talk about the idea and also the injuries. So you've got uh-huh. so you've got older former NBA players, marginal guys, and some stars. Yeah. You know, Allen sure. Iverson's in it. Um, you know. And but Allen Iverson after the game, they asked him how he felt, and he said forty-two and retired. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he barely played apparently. Yeah, uh, you know, for all the build-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, here's the thing: I like the idea. It it feels a little barnstorm baseball almost. Yes. Um, yes. But it's fine. Like. I like it. You know, they're changing the rules I saw after uh, White Chocolate got hurt and Corey Maggette got hurt and both had to have surgery. Um, yeah. That they're shortening the games to 50 points. They have a preset halftime that they've moved earlier because they've made the game shorter. And <laughs> and I think that's all smart and all good. I I'm in the camp where I hope it works. I have no more than a passing interest in it. But if it came to Milwaukee, I would go. I feel exactly the same way. It's funny you say that because I even, I even thought when I first heard it, you know, if they bring it to Phoenix, I'd go. I, I wouldn't travel to go see it. I wouldn't sit and watch it on TV. Um, certainly, you know, Allen Iverson is one that resonates with me. Um, he's kind of the, the one player of, of the, you know, the post-Jordan era that I never got to see in person. And so the thought of, you know, having one more chance to see him, I might have done that. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting it's, it's an interesting idea. Sorry, as I step all over myself. Um, but it's going to take some work, and it's going to take some fine-tuning and, 
you know, as always with stuff like this, you just wonder if the patience is going to be there to get through that fine tuning. And I don't think it will, which is sad. It might not. I I think that, you know, it's getting some traction on ESPN.com coverage. I know they have a TV deal, I think, with Fox Sports 1. They do, yeah. yeah. Now they showed them tape delayed, which that's not a great start. You know, the games were on Saturday and they didn't show them until Sunday night. But if they can work the kinks out, it seems like they have enough mainstream appeal that this thing could go. And I hope that it stays what it is as sort of the sideshow, last chance to see the guys who you grew up with, almost borderline sure. fantasy camp, and, and, sure. and does it, not become a D-League type. I agree. Know? I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's a cool idea, but it brings to mind something that we've talked about in relation to pro wrestling. And we've discussed this over the years that, you know, pro wrestling gives you the ability to take the guy who once was something great and now physically he's not that anymore, but you could still make him look like because it's scripted. You could still make The Undertaker seem unbelievably intimidating, even though 50 and he walks with a limp. But, you know, you, you dress it up and you make it seem that way. It's hard to do in basketball. And, and with the injuries this weekend and to see it, you know, I mean, that was an element I never honestly thought about before seeing it this weekend and thinking you know maybe this is going to be one of those things that kind of makes you more sad than anything else watching these guys and realizing man they used to be something and they're not anymore i mean i do like the uh, the way that they've done it because they've sort of carved out a niche they're not street ball but they're right. also recognizing hey this is not the nba no and it, and it shouldn't be and and certainly the time of year is a great idea too to put it in this time of year, you know, you're not competing with other basketball. You're not competing with football. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's got some legs to it. But again, there's there's work to be done, and we'll see if there, you know, if there is the patience to get through that. You know, it it brings to mind a little bit the XFL. Um, you know, the XFL was a concept that that might have worked, um, but there was so much tweaking that needed to be done, and there just wasn't the patience to survive it. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just think it's it's interesting, and I'm curious. It is. I'm curious what will I mean, happen would, if there will be a year two. Will they get a year two or not? That's that's a big question. Yeah, I agree. You know, and and again, I I hope they do, and I hope they bring it to Phoenix, and and you get a chance to go see some guys who you know you remember from ten, fifteen years ago. You know, um, but it's it's. Uh, you know, the injury element is, and, and just, you know, seeing guys that aren't what they used to be, like, maybe that's not a good thing. You know, I mean, you, you kind of, you, you ask for it. You think, oh, that's going to be really cool to go see Allen Iverson. But do you want to go see Allen Iverson look like a washed up Allen Iverson? Or, you know, you can't, you can't step into the time machine. He's not 25 anymore. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting idea, but maybe it won't work as well as I thought. Yeah. You know whose opinion I'm curious about on this? Kevin Brady. Brady, I want you to go and tell me what you think of this because I feel like you, like Matt and I, would be the target audience for this of if it rolled through Omaha, I feel like you'd go. But would you travel? Would you go to Des Moines or Cedar Rapids or Iowa City to catch this or no? So let us know what Uh, you think. Yeah, I'd be curious. I would think not. That'd be my guess. 
Uh, I mean, for example, if it went to Tucson, I wouldn't go see it. But if it's at the Suns Arena or certainly a Wells Fargo Arena, I'd go. I'd drive over there and see it. Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it is coming to Chicago, and I'm not going. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but if it was at the Bradley know, I mean, Center, I would absolutely go. I'd sure. Spend, I'd I spend was fifty it would bucks. Through Phoenix. Uh, you know, when when the idea first came out, they were going to go to different cities. I thought, you know, well, they could be in the Phoenix, but obviously that wasn't one of the ones they picked. I don't know how many places they are even going. I really never even looked. I just saw they weren't coming to Phoenix. So, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's if it were to continue and come through Phoenix in year two, year three, I'd probably go see what it was all about. Yeah, I mean, I gather that they're starting east and slowly working their way west. So I'm guessing, I think I saw somewhere they have Vegas and L.A. near the end, right. which makes sense. Well, Vegas was, was the, and still is, I think, you know, supposed to be the site of the final. Um, but uh, the arena was is the same look for McGregor Mayweather, same night. Yeah, well, that, that's so, not good. So Ice Cube's going to try to, you know, bend the... McGregor Mayweather people are a barrel and get a lot of money to get that arena back. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good call by him, and and it's owned oh, yeah. the T-Mobile Arena is owned by MGM, so they could just yeah move it I mean, easily it to the MGM Grand Garden Arena. They could, they could, yeah, yeah. So I don't know where where that will end up or if anything, uh, but I heard that maybe a week or so ago that you know they already had it booked that night. So he's working with the fight promoters to you know, rearrange the schedule somehow. Yeah. And by rearrange, it means move his event because it means give me a lot to move my event. Yeah. Which Jay uh, on, on his part, he may need the money to keep this league afloat. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's actually genius if that's how it yeah. works out to save the league. Yeah. By I mean, a second you know, year. The, that, that fight may end up getting a second year in this league. Who knows? Yeah. And then our chance to see it'll actually happen. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, like you said, it's it'll be interesting to see what it becomes because um, it is an idea that I think could work. Uh, but, you know, going to going to take some time and some patience for it to work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, everybody have a good Fourth of July. We're not going to do one between here and there, I don't think so. We appreciate you listening. Hit us up on at Ben and Matt Pod on Twitter. Text us, rate us, I guess, or and review on iTunes. Not that it matters because we're not going to ever crack the top, whatever, to have somebody <laughs> find it. But you know, other podcasts ask their people to do it, so why can't we? Uh, if you've got fake ads or real ads, but preferably fake ads, uh, text them to me. You'll get them read, and uh, we'll be back. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>